Welcome to Wanja City. My name is Wanja City and you are now in my city. City because a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Welcome to the final part of our four-part series, Tracking Wisdom. In this episode, it's all about the king. We will hear something from the wise Proverbs woman and her king. We will hear a concluding king's word from Ecclesiastes. And sum it up with a magnificent king's speech in Job. It's the grand finale, people. Buckle up. Let me remind you that you are now on board Wanjacity Tours, where our slogan is the Wanjacity of it all. Because here, we have more than audacity. We are Wanjacity. And we jump right into Proverbs, titled this, The Woman and Her King. The Proverbs 31 Woman. How many times have you heard that? How many times have you felt disqualified as a woman or cheated as a man, either for failing to meet the standard as a woman or failing to acquire such a woman as a man? Depending on whom you've had the sermon of this proverbial woman from, she can be outstandingly unattainable yet desirable or simply inspiring. As I see it, this is a seasoned woman. She has gone through what I consider four seasons of life. Now, the problem with some of you is you want the qualifications and experiences of a 65-year-old woman in the body of a 22-year-old girl, barely woman. Yes, I'm also here for reality checks. What you fail to see is that she doesn't just appear out of thin air. This was someone's daughter first, a sister, her own person, long before she was presented as a wife. And then there's the other half of her life. The one that her husband, her king, contributed. Yes, he gets to do some work too. That's when they build a marriage, a home together. The children can come and all that other stuff. That's great as well. But it is only part of the whole picture. Let's revise what we've learned so far. And maybe we'll see better why this woman is so famous. We will start from the beginning. Lady Wisdom sister we've been introduced to her as a sister in chapter 7 if you recall we were told to call her sister call wisdom your sister sister is your father's daughter your sibling ideally you grow up together in a loving home listen to the instructions of mother and father and we have already seen many of sister wisdom's benefits we were also told to call understanding our kinsman you know like a cousin still family Again, in chapter 8, Wisdom tells us that the Lord brought her as the first of his works, was there at the beginning of his work. That's at the very beginning, as a daughter and as a sister. She has a family of origin. Second season, let's meet Lady Justice, who we already met. Now, along with righteousness, we have already seen from previous episodes all that a just, righteous, good person does. They care for the needy, they are kind to animals, they love justice, they detest dishonesty, and on and on. We've also mentioned that justice has been personified as a lady through the ages. In her interactions as a good neighbor, diligent employer, employee, skillful worker, business person, and all-round community person, our sister is living an upright life. So, Sister Wisdom is now also Lady Justice. She is blooming right before our eyes. That's when we meet her as a bride or the wife. Remember the gift from God? 
Yes, we also made the quarrelsome one also. And quite a bit was said about her in earlier episodes. Now you may listen to the earlier episodes to catch up in case you miss them. Here in Proverbs 31, her character is praised extensively. Entrepreneurial. Worth far more than rubies, hard-working, early riser, provider, entrepreneurial, real estate, mogul, international trader, fashion designer, all-round profitable businesswoman, and excellent homemaker as well. I don't even do her justice, is how well she's described in this chapter. No wonder some people feel the pressure. It's too much. Again, let me invite you to take the Bible and read it. So that you can get the full impact of this power woman. We are told her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good all the days of her life. How is this possible? How has she been bringing him good before she met him? I bet it's because she's been upright from her days as sister wives to lady justice, now to bride from heaven. How else? And we finally meet her as the mother, sister, community lady justice, bride from heaven. And now we meet mother. She's been mentioned in several verses, beginning from the very first chapter in verse 8, where we were told that along with father's instructions to not forsake mother's teaching, because there will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Now here at the very end, in Proverbs 31, we meet the mother, the queen mother. And you know better than to mess with her. Sit up and listen. It says at the beginning of Proverbs 31 that these are the sayings of someone called King Lemuel, which his mother taught him. Very important, the mother taught her son, the king, what we are about to hear priceless stuff people keep listening queen mother pleads with her son not to spend his strength on women who ruin kings point one point number two it is not for kings to drink wine or crave beer lest they drink and forget what the lord decrees and deprive all the oppressed of their rights that's a direct quote by the way from niv verses four to five actually that's more like two points in one don't drink so you don't forget the law and oppress the poor. And on this point, she has more to say. Wine and beer are for those who are perishing so they can drown their misery. Instead, the king's mother urges that the king speaks up and judges fairly, defending the poor and needy. What a wise woman, wouldn't you agree? I mean, this is priceless motherly advice from a queen. She must be a queen. How else is he a king? Please note that mother is telling her son, the king, to stay sexually pure. Yes, that is the import of her first point of instruction. That's epic. Too often the advice seems to be that the woman maintains purity as though somehow purity is purely a female's responsibility. Mothers, take notes. Raise your sons to be kings and borrow this wise queen mother's advice, instructing both boy child and girl child as well. Purity is for everyone. There is no excuse for double standards in matters purity, in matters justice, in matters sobriety. Be as sober as a judge.
A wife of noble character, who can find? This is the very next verse. Now who's asking this question? Is it not the queen mother? Didn't she start by advising the king to keep away from women who ruin him? Presumably, she's now advising on the dream queen. That's what I've called her. Just a dream queen. The wife to the king and future mother to the heirs. And as we've heard a little while ago, she's truly a dream come true. Let me just refresh your memory. Worth more than rubies, provider, entrepreneurial, hardworking, and on and on. The way I understand it, this dream queen's worth is not based exclusively on her being a wife or a mother. Because they only come at the end to praise her, if what chapters 28 and 29 show me is true, that her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. He says, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. He better praise her. She brings him honor at the gates. Gates. Let's talk a little bit about gates for a few minutes. It will help us understand. We met these gates in Proverbs 121 when wisdom was calling out at the gateways of the city streets. And now here at the end in Proverbs 31, we end with this Proverbs woman who we can all agree is wise being praised at what? The city gate. So why gates? You must understand that gates in those times were literal seats of authority. It was the place where elders and politicians sat and made decisions. Kings sat there and prophets prophesied. They were commercial hubs where business was done. Gates were also law courts where judges administered justice. The law or the word of God was read to all at the gates. It was a town hall of sorts. One may even say the city gates were the city hall. Agreements were made of all kinds, land deals and marriage deals too. Gates were, as they still are today, important for the security of the residents within the city walls. At nightfall, they were shut to protect against attackers and in the daytime, the gates were open for business. All manner of things happened at the gates. Now every city, every camp, every tent, every home, every house, every temple, every opening to a residence, a dwelling, is an entry and an exit point. It's a gate. This is why they are so significant. I mean, it is how we get in and out. We even told in Psalms, enter the Lord's gates with thanksgiving. There's a way to get in. Even in heaven, there is the way, a gate. The gate. It is how anything can get in and out. This is even why we have watch guards to monitor who and what gets in and out, ideally. Also note that unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. We also borrow that from Psalms, particularly 127.1. And so, once we have understood the importance of gates, at least a portion we can see why it's so important that she's praised at the gates. And this is why we will leave this Proverbs woman receiving praise for her works at the city gate. Her husband, we are told in the proverb, is also respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. And no wonder, seeing as he's a king himself, only a king deserves a woman like this. And I dare say, only such a proverbial king gets 
to be with this proverbially wise woman. Let me leave this portion by quoting from verse 25. The description of her is, and I've picked DPT first to show bold power and glorious majesty are wrapped around her as she laughs with joy over the latter days. NIV says she's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Mm. We aspire, madam. We aspire. We can only do our best. Oh, Lady Wisdom. Teach us your ways. Let's move to the second segment and deal with Ecclesiastes and hear a king's word. It is the conclusion of the matter. The wise teacher has spoken in his, shall we say, melancholic manner. In this brief portion of this episode, we look at the last few verses of Ecclesiastes from chapter 12, that's verses 9 to 14. We are told the teacher was wise and imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. He looked for just the right words and wrote what was upright and true. Whoever this teacher was, he certainly had life experience. He was no do-eyed idealist seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. Here was a man who had seen things, done things. And no, he does not shy away from telling us all about them. Remember, I delighted myself in this and that. He listed them. Look at previous lessons for more. He has taken us through quite the visual journey from vanity to vanity, meaninglessness to meaninglessness, smoke to smoke. He finishes with a warning against adding anything to the words of the wise given by one shepherd. The shepherd is in capital S, at least according to this version I'm reading. And that's significant as the only shepherd who merits this definition I found in John 10. Jesus, the good shepherd, who also, may I add, is the gate and the door. He says all that in John 10, just refer for reference. So yes, these words have been given by the wise shepherd, the gate, who is also the door. But back to Ecclesiastes and the teacher. Our prof, or professor of life, as we have variously called him, he says, quote, of many books, there is no end, and much study, where is the body? Isn't that the truth? Mm. No matter how much you read and read and read, there's always still something else to read. And is it not tiring? When was the last time you crammed for an exam, worked on your thesis, prepared for an interview, pulled an all-nighter to meet a work deadline? Were you tired? Didn't all that study wear you out? If your work involves uh, reading a lot, say as a publisher, perhaps you know this even better. Now, I'm not saying it's all dull work. There's enjoyment to it. It is just not all there is to life, in short. At least that's the message I receive. And now, closing statements of the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. 
Why? We are told why in the last statement of the book. For God will bring every into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. This book ends, as it has been all along, with sobering words, realistic, practical wisdom. Everything is meaningless with the exclusion of the fear of the God. That's re really it. The living it up, the partying, the enjoyment of life, foolishness, wickedness, wisdom, righteousness. It all boils down to that. It is all meaningless without the fear of God. Thank you, teacher. Thank you, Ecclesiastes. And now to the king's speech. Job. The Lord speaks. We're in chapter 38, where the Lord tells Job to brace himself like a man for his questions, to which the Lord expects an answer. The Lord, yes, when you hear me say the Lord, it's because the L-O-R-D is in caps, so I want to distinguish from the non-capitalized. Yeah, so the Lord asks a series of questions, which are rhetorical, if you remember rhetorical from literature. And all these rhetorical questions are pointing to his wisdom in creation. From the earth's foundations, from the sea, the clouds, the lights, the snow, the lightning, the wind, the thunderstorm, the rain, stars, you get the point. All creation. He asks Job whether he knows their origins. What is their expanse? Where do they dwell? Also, Job, are you the one who satisfies the hunger of lions and ravens? Hmm. Move to chapter 39, where the questions continue with the Lord wanting to know from Job about some animal strength, their gestation period, their wisdom, and other such questions. He asks about the mountain goat, the doe, the wild donkey, the wild ox, the ostrich, the stork, the horse, the hawk, the eagle. It's all rather dramatic how the Lord is speaking to Job out of the storm, about the storm. I mean, he's in an actual wild storm. That's how he came. If you remember from Elihu last week, preparing us, and then now God comes in a whirlwind or a storm, and he's speaking about the storm from the storm. It is dramatic. That's what I found anyway. You know what else I found? I found God's description of the horse treat, particularly hilarious. She treats her young harshly, as if they were not hers. She does not care that her labor was in vain. For God did not endow her with wisdom or give her a good share of give her a share of good sense. Yet when she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at horse and rider. You find that in verse 16 to 17. You don't think this is hilarious? This is God describing his creation and marveling at how he did not give her wisdom or good sense. That took me out. Chapter 14, the Lord challenges Job to answer him for daring to contend, to correct, to discredit God's justice. He compares Job's arm and voice to his. I mean, he's a clear winner. Let's move on. God then talks or brags about the strength of a creature called Behemoth, who he says ranks first among the works of God. Then we get to chapter 41, 
where God devotes an entire chapter describing in detail another great creature called the Python. From its lips, the outer coat, the mouth, the teeth, the nostrils, the neck, the lungs, the chest, just everything, God points out the sheer fierceness of this creature. Why does God use these two infamous creatures to display his power? Because as strong and as fierce as they are, God is their maker and everything under heaven belongs to him. And so we get to the last chapter of this series of the book of Job. The finale. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. That's how Job replies, and what a lovely way to sum it up. I've heard of you, but now I've seen you. And these are my three takeaways from the study of Job's life. One. God's unquestionable wisdom and power is evident in his creation. That's just plain as day. Two, the value of true friendship and vindication. You see, what happened is that God was angry with Job's friend. Not Elihu, because he tells Eliphaz, I think the leader of the three, I am angry with you and your two friends. Because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job hath. Come on! God made them have Job pray for them so that he wouldn't deal with them according to their folly. These are God's words. Who is foolish now? <laughs> Talk about vindication. And then the third point, restoration. Double for your trouble. All the double, double songs you've been singing. Probably got them from here. After all that, and then the praying for your friends slash frenemies, the Lord made Job prosperous again and gave him twice, twice as much as he had before. See, the Lord blessed the latter half of Job's life more than the first. Double all property lost, most beautiful daughters in the land whom he gave an inheritance along with their brothers. Pause, pause, pause. Let me add, I just can't ignore this. Job was very progressive for his day, even for this day. This is a very unique scenario. It is one of those rare occasions when we know the daughter's names and none of the boys. All three of them, Jemima, Kezia, Karen Hapuch, none of the boys' names. Hmm. And he gave them an inheritance along with their brothers. This was before laws were written that I know of anyway. How progressive is this man? And he, oh my God. In addition... Job got to see his children to the fourth generation. That's your children's children's children. What manner of a blessed life is this? A full life. Remember in Proverbs when we are told how a righteous man stores up wealth for his children's children. He got to see the fourth generation. I mean, this man was just blessed. That's what you call restoration. Double for your trouble. Let me just say, before I give my last statement... That this is not a formula. How do I say it? I like to say it. That we should not take people's experiences and imagine that they are principles. Because our situations, what we go through, our circumstances, who we are, and God's plans and purposes for us are very different. So if I see you fasting for three days and you get a certain answer, if uh, is that to say that's the formula? That I should not fast for three days to get that exact answer? And so if you see Job get double because you went through all this trouble is that to say that you will i don't know what i do know is that you should read the bible 
and ask the Holy Spirit to help you interpret for your own situation. Let's avoid looking at other people's experiences and making them a principle out of them. Read the Bible. Observe what a quick work God does. Job and his friends have been talking and talking and talking, trying to explain and rationalize for many, many, many chapters. God comes in and one, two, three, four, he's done. Story over, chapter close. Note also, he doesn't answer why Job suffered. The Lord doesn't really explain himself. Why would he? When you're the answer, who dare question you? All the talking, wise sayings, proverbs, wise teachings, all the wisdom of man pales before the Almighty. The beginning to the end of Proverbs emphasizes the fear of the Lord. All the meaningless, meaningless of the teacher in Ecclesiastes in the end concedes to the fear of the Lord. Job sees the Lord and I imagine trembles who wouldn't in the presence of the Almighty. All the seeking, the doing, the figuring life out can only bow down before the Lord. Wisdom is supreme, yes, but even wisdom bows before the maker of all things. Thank you for joining me, Wanja City, on what has been a four-part Tracking Wisdom series in my city, Wanja City. Why city? Because a city on a hill cannot be hidden. So go forth and shine, then keep on shining. You have been on board Wanjacity Tours, where our slogan is the Wanjacity of it all. Because we have more than audacity in the city, we are Wanjacity. You are welcome to join me along the next door. It's a good one, the fashion door. I know you want to come along. Welcome. And in the meantime, you can interact with us on the Instagram page Wanjacity. That's W-A-N-J-A-C-I-T-Y. W-A-N-J-A-C-I-T-Y Wanja City Thank you and God bless you Remember, a city on a hill cannot be hidden